don't know who that man is, but man, he 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 knows how to. Their sound it's like when their sound engineer is playing, like it's like I'm my ears are eating at a five star restaurant. That's how good it is. <laughs> they got they got some good music. They got some good music. But welcome everybody here with the Voice of the Millennials podcast. We apologize. You know, it's been a few weeks since we've done anything. So we just had some scheduling conflicts. You know, been a little bit busy, but we are back. We're back with a with a good topic. Kind of going to try and continue off of the last topic that we were talking about, which is a millennial approach to ministry. And we're going to add a, an accountability piece to this segment. So, um, yeah, how, how, how have you guys been doing? Uh, you got it, yep. That's good. I mean, I've been good. Um, I found out uh, the other day when I weighed myself at the gym that I lost 20 pounds since I've been here. And uh, I've just been, been been doing good, been doing school, knocking school out uh, with my anatomy course. Um, i just just been, you know, just been plotting along, being being deployed here. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, I've been um, I've been busy with class um, <laughs> and my training and everything. Um, but I'm enjoying the warm weather. I got out of Alaska for a while. It's been it's been pretty nice being here. You know, to enjoy Chick Fil A that I don't have in Alaska <laughs> and I haven't had in about two years. Chick Fil A ever every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Jamaican food. I'm jealous. There ain't no Jamaican restaurants in in uh, Louisiana. So, yeah, there's like I think th- two or three Jamaican restaurants here, and there. I mean, I've only had one, but that place slaps. Man. Yeah. yeah, like it tastes just like the back home restaurant that we used to go to. Mm, yeah, that place was good. Um, I, there's a uh, uh, Jamaican restaurant in Dallas. So if I want to get Jamaican food, I'm gonna have to drive all the way to Dallas in mm. order to. Get um, some Jamaican food, but I got friends there, so I could just when whenever I go there to see them, I can just you know drop by and get some. Um, so yeah, that's good. Well, while we wait on uh, Justin to come back, we um, we'll kind of recap of what we've kind of been talking about. We've been talking about like a millennials' approach to ministry, and um, one one thing that we've been trying to get away from is the the chasing of position the chasing of clout because in an era where everybody loves clout and clout is almost like a currency these days um we have to be careful not to do that in the church as well um and do that especially when it comes to ministry because when it comes to ministry you're not chasing clout you're not being popular and it's really not for you as a minister it's for the people it's for not just the people in church, not just for the people of God, but it's for people, all people. You know, that, that's what ministry is about. And we just kind of wanted to give a, give a better definition and really 
kind of um, get in tune with, with with doing things the right way when it comes to ministry. Um, and and that's what and that's just what we're trying to do is we're trying to do things the right way. We want to do things in a way that doesn't affect our witness in a negative way, but mm-hmm. we want to uh, approach ministry with something that will with like, with like an attitude that we're here to serve and not just here for ourselves. We're not here to um, to lift up man, but we're here to lift up God and to serve people. So um, that, that that's kind of what we what we have been talking about with this with this whole segment um, or, or with this whole series about uh, millennials' approach to ministry. So today we're going to kind of continue that and segue. Um, I remember last time we kind of got off talking about um, you know Bible college and stuff like that, and people some people a lot of people will use um, Bible college, seminary school. Or, or stuff like that to kind of um, ladder themselves into ministry. And um, and I don't, I don't wanna make it seem like I speak against Bible college or speak against um, biblical education because I don't, absolutely not. Um, but there's an attitude that some people have when they, when they go into these things. And that's the attitude that we wanna get away from. We don't want to go into something like that. We don't wanna go into training and education and then try to use that as a seg- as like a ladder to, to to try to climb our way into a higher position or something, because it's not about position, it's about calling. So, um, Caleb, I'm gonna go ahead and pass it to you because you're gonna kind of drive the boat with this and you can kind of carry it from there. Awesome, awesome. So this will be, I think this will be our last, um, well, at this time, this will be our sort of last uh, time touching this subject. But um, if we so happen to come up on something else, we'll definitely touch on ministry again because uh, <laughs> yeah this i mean for for now this is this is this is it but we, we're gonna come back to this subject eventually but um the first we we were like philip was saying before before we got off last time um we were talking about um i had brought up before we got off how people use uh certain positions in the church as a ladder to ministry. So uh, how do you guys think, how do you guys think people use it as a ladder? Because I know it's like, oh, if I sing, then hmm, I can preach, then I can, you know, if I preach, then I can, you know, then they split off. I can prophesy or pastor, right? And, um, or evangelize, right? So uh, Justin, how do you think people use that as a ladder or why do you think people use it as a ladder? Why? Well, I think the why is huge. Um, people, when it comes down to church and ministry, I think what, one thing that we have probably all seen is that there is a certain level of respect that you get when you are serving in certain capacities of ministry. And in certain contexts, especially where maybe you don't get the respect in other places, where maybe you aren't honored in other places, you can get that honor in church. Um, you know, so a, an average something anywhere else is extraordinary can sometimes in some settings be an extraordinary something in the church you know um uh, your average musician or your average drummer 
or a horrible public speaker might be considered a great preacher. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, these How many times have we seen that? Yes, you know, <laughs> yeah. and so um, I think that because those positions can be glorified so much, people are clamoring for that. And in many cases, it's just because they have not really gotten the ego fix or the attention that they need in another space. Yeah. Um, so I think that is the why it is. And I know it's very easy for us to just start labeling people as proud and historically that's what we do. We, we call people proud and we, we blast them or we say that they are hungry for attention or that they are, you know, that you are just, you, you, you know, we try to label a demon or some type of demonic anointing or spirit on them. But I think that another angle that it might be worthwhile for us to consider is, uh, another thing that it might be worthwhile for us to consider is the idea that maybe some of the people that, um, some, some of the people that are clamoring for positions in ministry are clamoring for these positions because they have not received the affirmation that they need in another place. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So I think some people, some of the issues we have in church aren't demonic at all. They're mental problems, they're mental health issues. So mm -hmm. that, that's just another angle to throw out there. It's it's not always the devil. But uh yeah, that, yeah. that's my that's my take for now. Yeah. Um before I go, uh you feel, I'm I'll be right back, guys. Okay. Um another uh I was looking at a post Dr. Matthew Stevenson made and he was uh, I shared it. It was talking about how ministry uh isn't your identity or um people do it because they have self esteem issues, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so um I think Justin Justin did bring up a good point. You know, some people are doing it for reasons that are, you know, mental health related. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily for the glory of God, but they think, oh, um, I've never had status before in my life. And this is my chance, you know. But um, Philip, what you got? What you got? Why do you think um, why do you think people use uh, certain positions in church as a ladder to ministry? Um, I mean, I, I agree with Justin's uh, take on that. Um, that's actually a very good take. Um, and and really it can it can come from many things um there there's always when when doing and and getting into ministry and, and any ministry really there's always an element of admiration for somebody who's done it before you um and i know a lot of times like we look up to people and we're like man i want to be like that person and sometimes that will drive that person to want to uh, pursue a ministry and and i believe that god can orchestrate that he can orchestrate your personality to um, like certain things and, and and look up to certain people <clears throat> and those people kind of influence you um, in that way So and, and I, I don't say that as a bad thing like that's not a bad thing at all but um, a lot of times is, is when people start overstepping their true calling um, And then it and then it starts branching off into other issues <clears throat> so um Thinking about why people do it, it is, I mean, we can we can sit here all day because, you know, people are different and we can talk about, you know, the different scenarios as to why people people would do something like that. But I mean, a common thing 
um, that I've I've just kind of seen in some circles that I've I've um, observed is just people that want to do it for popularity, or 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 people think that certain ministries are more important than others, so they want those ministries because they feel like they they'll they'll feel productive or they'll be seen, they'll be more respected, they'll have more power or something like that. And and that's why we have discussed, you know, a bunch of times that no ministry is insignificant because that's the truth. No ministry is insignificant. Um, and no ministry is more important than the other. I mean, we yes, we put a lot of emphasis on the spoken word. Um, and, that's, and re that's really what it is. It's just a spoken word. It's a declaration of God's word. That's that's all. I mean, that's that's what it is. It's, you're you're doing it at a very high volume, and doing <laughs> it spoken word, very, huh? Yeah, it's and, and you're doing word. it in, in which your 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 vocal cords are are hating you, and calling mm -hmm. it evangelistic. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, and and that's just and it, it's weird to see that because like, um. People will put so much emphasis on those ministries, so then you'll have this this clamoring, this competing for who can get the more the most opportunities, who can get the most recognition, who can speak or sing or play in, in the biggest crowds and stuff like that. And it's just like that's not what it's about. Actually, I was I was on video call with with somebody today. He's a he's a minister friend of mine uh, that that's there in my in my region, and um, he he talks about you know things. Um, uh, that are like he'll go. Uh, well, well, him and I are having a conversation about like revival and stuff like that. And um, when I told him because we our churches are in this uh, in, in kind of like the same area in the same city, and I told him that you know we should probably uh, you know try to start collaborating more you know between our churches and everything to kind of you know promote more unity um, and 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 do things that way. And um, like I remember, we used to have like joint services between our churches, and you know, it it, it kind of stopped. Um, COVID probably had a lot to do with it too, but um, you know, we used to have a lot of joint services and stuff, and and it just seems like uh, since there was this one service, and I I told you two about it. Um, I forgot it was probably about a month and a half, two months ago. Uh, we had a youth slash hyphen service, and um, um, my one of my friends, uh, Siana Bagwell, was um, a speaker alongside me. And since that service, that joint service, there there has been a shift in the atmosphere of our city. And it's kind of like a shift that's preparing for a bigger revival. And I told him, like, when I think about revival, I don't think about just numbers coming to my church and, and, and everybody just, you know, hyped up and on this emotional high. That's not how I see revival. I'm like, I don't care if all the people that get saved go to your church like i don't care about numbers or nothing like that i'm just here to do what god has called us to do and that's just go to the world and preach the gospel i'm not all about the numbers um i'm not all about the recognition I, I just want there to be an effectiveness that goes on and um i feel like because there's kind of been a loss of that in in some circles um that's why this uh attitude of competition has elevated um so yeah i mean before i continue rambling that's that's kind of some of the branches that that you know you can take off with why people do what they do 
um, because and, and it's kind of a broad speculation because, like I said, everybody's different. But yeah, that's that, that that's what I think. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I I I agree with both of you. Like like I said earlier, Justin, you brought up a really good point. Um, and I saw a post about this today. Uh, it's you know people do it for self esteem reasons. People do it because it's just it's gonna make them feel good. Like they've never had any sort of power in their life, so you know this is this is it. This is their mm-hmm. this is their chance. This is their time to shine. And if any of you've ever worked with people like that, um, where they were bullied in high school or bullied throughout their life. Um, sometimes those people either either turn into the most empathetic people you'll ever come across, or they'll turn into the most egotistical, power-tripping individuals you will ever come across in your life. And and some of that is what what you see in church. Sometimes I, I liken the church to a high school, liken the church to high school drama because it's just like a bunch of kids fighting over power, and yeah. and it's just like. It's so it's so immature and and silly. And I, I I personally think that people do it also because they see the positions, like Philip said, they see those positions and they esteem those positions so high. Oh, I want to be a pastor. Oh, I want to be or, you know, the popular thing now is, oh, I want to be an evangelist. I want to be a uh, apostolic music artist, you know, because they see the fame, they see the pedestal that these people get put on and they're just like, Man, I wish I could have, you know, a thousand people like my post at one time. I wish I could have people begging for my opinion about a certain subject. And people start, I guess I could use the words jonesing for that type of things. And then for those type of things, some people get it and some people don't. And I think it's a very unhealthy mindset to have in Christianity because Christianity is not about who's who who which minister can draw the most people to a church because nowadays it's not that oh the lord spoke to me and said for you to come to the church for you to speak to our church because you have a rima word for our church at this hour no it's hmm can i get this certain minister in the apostolic movement because he's going to draw in a ton of people and inherently raise a ton of money and so it's just like well, Why? I mean, that's not not just in the apostolic movement. That's in that's oh in yeah, that's everywhere. That's, that's everywhere. everywhere. And that's one everywhere. thing that you're gonna learn if you ever have anything to do with the behind the scenes workings of churches, you come to find out that just because a lot of people came doesn't mean a lot of people gave. Exactly. That's Speech. that's a word. And and also numbers don't equal anointing. That's true. That's true. No. Just because just because you draw a crowd of one thousand, don't mean that it was an anointing. Maybe maybe they came because you had free food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I mean, they came because they wanted to hear the artists that you you brought in to you know kind of draw in their demographic. <laughs> but and I mean the thing is I'm not I'm not against those tactics to get people in the building. But right. if you don't actually have the anointing in that building, then those people are going to leave the same exact way they came in. Exactly. Exactly. And and honestly, that that I, I kind of don't like that part of our culture, you know, drawing numbers, because um, now you have preachers that won't preach somewhere unless there's it's a certain size of crowd. Right. And then, now, and then now you have to 
not only do you have to make sure that you have a certain size of people coming, but you also have to give that minister, prophet, whoever, you have to give them a certain amount of money up front before they're even going to come. Right. It's called a writer. In the music world, it's called a writer. Um, yep. You know, give them their hotel and whatever specific things they want about the whole, oh, I only want white towels. I only want black vehicles, stuff like that. And then on top of that, then that's when they come, they'll come and preach for you. And then on top of that, they want a, a certain percentage. You have to agree on a, per, they get a certain percentage of the pot after offering has been taken up. Why, which is why you'll notice in a lot of services, you'll see them, they'll finish preaching, they'll turn down the house, and you think, why is the preacher holding the microphone so long? And then they take up an offering. They'll find a way to tie it into their into their sermon, into yep. the dates. Uh, you know, they'll tie it into their scripture somehow. I need 100 people to come forth with a $58 seed for Psalms 58, like that kind of the stuff. Lord, the Lord is saying 58. I keep hearing the number 58. And it's just like, no, right. you, you multiplied it in your head and you know you'll get $58,000 if you get this many people to give $58. Precisely. And that is, that's a part of the contract. Now, to be fair, to be fair, it is possible and this is strictly to be fair. <laughs> it is possible that someone determines that they won't come for certain crowd sizes so that they can maximize impact because their schedule is so crowded to where they're like, That's fair. I need it need, in order for me to maximize my impact, I need certain size of crowds. It's possible. So I don't expect a TD Jakes to show up to a storefront church. No. I because it's not necessarily going to be the maximization of his time. But many of us who are made uh, I think what we're getting at tonight is we're talking about the prima donnas and divas in ministry who because uh, the other thing I want to say is if you if your ministry is operating in excellence, you should be paying for for the preacher's hotel. You should be giving them some type of, you know, uh offering um uh or you know there's other words used for it but just we'll go with offering for now um or and you you know you should be giving them some type of food stipend or paying for their food while they're there you should be paying for their air yeah. you should be doing those things if you're in, in 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 excellence but we're talking about those people who make demands and you really aren't at a level where you need to be making demands or need to be you know begging for, or not even begging, but demanding certain things and certain colors of vehicles and certain towels. And, mm -hmm. you know, I only stay in, uh, you know, five-star hotels and I only eat from Michelin restaurants. Like, come on, really? That's not, now ministry isn't about you. And can I be honest with you? I think that the day of that is dead because yeah. after COVID, honestly, we know about a whole lot more people that we didn't know about that have just as yep. much or sometimes a new word. And you've been preaching the same sermon the last five years anyways. So, <laughs> yeah, 1000%. Uh, um, I forgot who it was. I, I think it was, uh, what is that man's name? 
um, YPJ at the beginning of this year or sometime last year, he was talking about how the unknown people, the unknown prophets, the unknown, pretty much the unknown people that will make a great impact for the kingdom of God yes. are coming to the forefront. Like the big names yeah. we can see. I mean, opposite prophet Karn got it right. This is going to be a year of scandal. <laughs> and as you can see, the year, the, the, the big names this year, a lot of big names have just went down the sewer. You know, and so we I, I think there's going to be a, an awakening like the, the unknowns are about to come to the forefront, not for fame and fortune. But they're going to be making a huge impact on the kingdom of God. And I personally am excited to see it. I personally. Am but also, um, like, I feel I feel like like 2020 and the pandemic really sparked uh, an important uh, shift in uh, mindset, I feel like, because. You know, all, all, all these churches got shut down and everything. Now everybody needed to move to online ministry. Right, right. Well, how are you going to move to online ministry if you don't have a, a, a sound engineering team, if you don't have an online ministry team? And those are the people that we've been pushing to the back of the church. They don't get seen. They don't get recognized. They don't get thanks. They don't, uh, most, most of the time, they don't get paid. Um, they, you know, they, they always get gripe too like everybody has a complaint because this is too loud this is too quiet like those are the people that seemed insignificant when it yeah. came to ministry and, and now and they're the, the most important staff in the church they are the most important people because all these preachers with the mics can't preach to people if that ministry team isn't there to turn on the lights make sure the cameras are working make sure the sounds good and provide quality content to put out there into the world that people would actually watch mm -hmm. so all now in every church has a social media team and y'all been putting together like a, a brand kits for your churches and y'all have upgraded your cameras, upgraded your sound, your audio and everything. Like I applaud all of you because like y'all have made the difference in this pandemic for real. So shout out to all the media people. Yes, yes. The creators have made a good impact on the church. Oh, yeah. And I hope to God that people do not uh, take them for granted again, yeah. ever again. And because like as a as a certain prophet that we sort of uh, listen to from time to time said in 2016, the church has left the building. Church has left the building. Yep. This is going to be a lot more normal. Yeah. You know, a lot of people. Yeah are up here like, oh, I can't wait to get back to normal. And they think that COVID-19 or 2020 is just going to be a memory for us to forget. And 30 years from now, man, I remember, I remember, you know, 2020 back in the day. Remember COVID-19? Nah. 2020 no, this changed was a world-changing event. It, it was. changed the landscape of, of church, of how we do church. Yeah, and in a future episode, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but uh, to segue into our our next uh, topics or our top pick is um, we we all we're talking about how people esteem those positions so high and how people 
put those ministries on a pedestal. And so we're going to talk about the consequences of doing that. All right. Um, because we brought up earlier Brian Karn. And for those of you, you who do not know who Brian Karn is, Brian Karn is a uh, very, he's a very good speaker, very good orator. He can move a crowd like no, like nobody has ever seen before. That man can sing. I have his songs that he released. Like he can sing. He's really good at singing. His musical arrangements are good. And I, you know, and he's just been a person that was looked up to. He's preached in churches. He's preached at the Dominion camp meeting where thousands and thousands of people flocked. This guy is known. He's known for preaching against homosexuality. He's known for preaching very, very, very hard. Um, but he's also known as a prophet. And uh, in 2013, huh? I said self-proclaimed. Yeah, self-proclaimed. Um, in like 2013, um, is 2013 to 2014 is when his kingdom sort of came crashing down. No, 2015 is when it uh, That was actually like around 20, 2015, 2016. Yeah, it, it, his, his kingdom sort of came crashing down when uh, somebody, people were leveling the accusations against him that he was copying his prophecies for a, a certain year from a witch. And if you watch the video that the witch made and you watch his prophecy where he released the word of God for the year, it was literally the same. The absolute, like word for word. Some, some right. I was about to say some of it was word for word. Yeah, it's it's yep. not like he was speaking it from a God's perspective and saying it a little different, but had the same concept. It was literally word for word what the lady was saying, and so everybody was. He 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 doesn't preach at Dominion camp meeting no more. Um, he doesn't get invited to the huge conferences anymore. Uh, he's pastoring two churches right now one in three. houston three oh, one in three. houston yeah, three. yeah one in houston one in charlotte and one in jacksonville and uh and he that that's kind of where he's at right now he still claims to be a prophet um and so that's kind of where his his ministry is at he went from td jake status all the way down to your typical local pastor um pastors what are you talking about? uh local pastors yeah. Uh, so because of that, he's also been known to um, have <laughs> have um, community peeing. <laughs> he's been known. What you going to do? He's been known to, uh, he's, he's, oh, I forgot to, that's an important detail. He's a single man. He's not married at all. And never, never man. has been. He's a pastor. He's never, never has been. been married. And so he's been caught into some, some scandals where he is shacking with another man's wife. And recently he and a guy that I guess they were close, but I don't know if they really were, they were close. And they, he, he has a, the man has a wife and um, the guy's name is Bishop Senegal. 
Oh, I didn't know you were going to go this deep. <laughs> and he apparently was messing around with his wife. I don't know the extent of what they did. We can only speculate what they did. But that caused Senegal to get on Facebook Live and publicly rebuke Karn and pretty much embarrass him. Pretty much embarrass him. So he wrote a whole letter too. Yeah, he wrote a whole letter too. And so that is at least one, that is at least, that is at least one example of how he was on a pedestal. People put him on a pedestal. People still have him on a pedestal. And he fell from grace. And now he's essentially a shell of his former self. Um, Philip, what are your thoughts on Brian Carn? Man, <laughs> man. Okay, so I mean, fr from the get go, let me just go ahead and just get this out the way. Oh wait, wait, hold, um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Allegedly, okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I was actually about to kind of cover that. But let me just go ahead and get this out the way. We're not necessarily, we're not gossiping, or we're not trying to slander anybody. Okay, but we want to use this as an example of positive change that we're gonna talk about after we cover this you know, um, thing. First thing, um, Brian Karn is a self-proclaimed prophet, um, which I, I used to be like, you know, don't self-proclaim yourself. But I mean, if you don't proclaim yourself, I mean, who's gonna do that? Unless you have a pastor that's so in tune that he knows exactly what you are and what time you need to be what you are, and he's gonna proclaim that for you. Um, most of the time, people gotta proclaim themselves. And I mean, I don't think there's really anything that much against it. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, obviously if you do it in the spirit of humility, that's okay. But self-proclaimed prophet, single man. Now, number one, being a single man in pulpit ministry, you have to be on your P's and Q's at all times. Because, and the reason I say that is because who is probably possibly besides Jesus, the most admired man in the Bible? David. David is possibly the most admired, talked about, preached about man in the Bible besides Jesus, of course. And um, David was an amazing king. He had amazing victories. He had amazing breakthroughs, amazing, ama amazing triumphs. And even though he had wives and concubines, fell. Not He didn't just have one woman. He had multiple and fell. Okay? So single men in ministry, be on your P's and Q's. You just got to. <laughs> you got to. Um, number two. Uh, the, the, and, and this is just kind of for... Like any anything really, uh, as as you get more popular, increase in you know popularity, more people know you, more people recognize you, you're more sought after. Um, not just in ministry, but in anything, uh, you have to learn how to humble yourself. Otherwise, God will humble you. Mm -hmm. I've heard that all my life. One thing that I have seen about Brian Karn. Um, which I'm not judging him, 
because we all have our mistakes and, and our hangups and stuff. But one thing I've seen about him is that he can be arrogant. He can be, you know, very prideful. Um, it's kind of like his word is the most important word of any conference, of any service, of any church. Like it, and, and another thing is when when ministry becomes about money, um, God will again humble you. And I've seen times when I could, you know, like, you could just tell that he was down bad and he needed, I guess, needed some money. So you had people, but he would preach about sowing seeds and preach about money, money and giving to the man of God and stuff like that. And like those subjects should be talked about. They definitely should, but they should be talked about responsibly and in context. And they and scripture shouldn't be twisted to fit your money making agenda. So. Uh, and we'll tackle that in another episode because we got we got so many episodes planned like to talk about stuff. It's going to be fun. But that's uh, number two. Number three, um, if you're a single man in, in, in ministry, like when it comes to women, there's no rule book on how to um, kind of approach women. How to like like what you should do. <laughs> And being in that position, and especially if you're climbing in, in I, I'd say like popularity. If, if you if you are kind of an in demand minister, which that happens from time to time, like ministers have their seasons where they're just in demand. Um, and he he uh, like like we talked about you know years ago, he he was in demand, so he was traveling a lot of places and everything. Um, and you know, guys, we have our weaknesses, so and uh, you, we we could just leave it at that, <laughs> but. Um, he, you know, allegedly did these things, and it's like there is a heart issue going on. Um, and because this has happened, going forward, it it begs a good conversation. I'm going to touch this, and we'll probably circle back to it when y'all get to get a chance to to talk about it. But there should be something in place. And there should be a, a, a narrative and an attitude that just because ministers fall does not mean that we should condemn them to hell. Yeah. Now, keeping their ministry is a different story. I don't think they should, um, especially if you get caught up in sexual immorality like that. You should not be able to keep your ministry. I'm sorry. You shouldn't because it'll affect it'll affect your witness. It'll it'll affect how the world sees you. Like if people think that this is the kind of leaders you have in your church, they're gonna be less willing to come to church, trust leadership, and and subsequently trust God. Um, so, but after that, you have to give grace for reconciliation because God gives forgiveness. And I think that uh, elders and people that hold ministers accountable should be qualified in um, counseling because you sometimes have to have that those times where you have to counsel somebody that fell back to a point when they can just continue their walk with God and not just excommunicate them from the church, not just condemn them, not just be like, well, they messed up, so they got to go like we we all sin. And yes, that sin is public. And yes, that was a minister. But we can take away the ministry, but we can still save the soul. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, and that's just to clarify there. Just to clarify there, we're talking secular counseling. Yeah, not, yeah. Not the, <laughs> not, not the counseling you got from insert 
Bible college, that's not accredited. All right, I had to put that in there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but that's the thing. So like being here in this training, I get to go through um, and, uh, uh, like I get to go through crisis intervention and I get to go through counseling training. And it's such an important thing. And I'm like, I really do feel like minister, like at least pulpit ministers and people that, uh, uh, um, and, and ministries that people come to for counseling, for advice, those ministries should definitely be, uh, certified in counseling. They yeah. should be trained in it because at some point you're going to have to do. And, and, you, there, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to learn counseling in ministry by practicing on people. Exactly. You, you don't, don't you. learn way because then you're gonna you're gonna hurt the people that come to you from the yeah. get go, and then late and then ten years down the road you're probably gonna be okay at counseling. But yet those people that Maybe. you first counseled, they're not doing good because you didn't do your due diligence to go and seek out professional help in counseling because <laughs> counseling is a ministry. It is, but it's not a ministry in church. Yep, they teach it at college. You can go oh, and get good. the you can go and get the and everything. But counseling is a ministry. That's why counselors are so in demand these days because people need somebody who is qualified to just sit and listen and be able to provide them practical solutions to their problems. But a lot of times, ministers aren't qualified to do that. And, and so, how just just to jump in really quick, how much yeah, yeah. would the church have been much more effective in the last mm -hmm. 15 months if mm -hmm. we had professional counseling ministries? Mm. Yeah. How many That's people important. would have been able to turn to the church That's a during this pandemic? If we would have yeah. been able to say we can offer free mental health services, mm -hmm. you cooped up with your family Absolutely. and all of these things are coming up in your free. Family, and now free. we're going to offer this as a free service. Hey, instead of having our midweek service, we're going to offer counseling sessions. And we've got instead of having our intercession ministry, just we're, we're going to come on here and we're going to minister to you guys in in the ministry of counsel yeah and have a certified yes certified certified because as, as much as i am against you know the whole system and you know degrees and stuff like that i'm not necessarily against it okay i don't i don't like college kids get to education but that in like being somewhat high being a certified counselor that like that gives people like faith and hope that you've been trained, you know what you're doing, and that they can immediately trust you. Yes. Mm -hmm. So and that brings me back to a point that I tackled maybe like a few weeks ago. Like we have to do our due diligence to do our best to be the best for God's people and and, and the church. We have to do that because if we don't do our due diligence, we will leave souls on the table. I'll put it that way. We, we, we will we will not be as effective if we just continue doing the same traditional thing that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So with that, I'll, I'll pass it to uh, Caleb. Yeah. Uh, Justin, you, did you you touch on it? Uh, no, not yet. OK. Um, oh, yeah. yeah you can. Um, real, real quick. So on that that mental health piece, I, I really think that that would that would do so much good for the church. Man, if the absolutely. church, if the, instead of bringing, oh man, 
instead of bringing in a popular evangelist, use that money, go hire a mental mm. health coach and have oh. them come and do a seminar about creating Whoa. good uh, creating good self-talk habits, creating good ways to process your trauma. Let, let me go to Justin, but that that Philip, that's such a great idea. That that'd be great. Justin, what you got? So on, I mean, uh, man, we got so much. <laughs> we just got into some stuff. Oh, yeah. Brian, <laughs> so I will say this. I will say this to start. And, and I might be a little bit different than than Philip on this one. I'm not going to say he's not a prophet. And the reason is prior well, to I don't think I don't think to clarify, I don't think that he's not a prophet, but I but like in my in my in my view, I, I just see him as you know self-proclaimed. But people do recognize him as a prophet and I I will accept that he is a prophet. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. he, he does have a gift. He does have a gift. Yeah. That's that's where I was gonna go. He I, I don't want anyone to think that we are denying that he has a gift. He has a bit of a cult following who seems to be very upset anytime you question anything. Stay off the man of God. So for all of you, Brian Karn cult followers, it's okay. We understand just like all of the rest of you people like that follow prophets in cult fashion, we're not against your man of god at all okay <laughs> um what i'm saying is that he does have his flaws so i will say he has a gift i i know people personally who have experienced uh services where they've seen his gift in action now in other areas i think he has had some questionable actions um i think when it comes down to the prophetic one of the issues we have is that we put such a demand on these people to have a word that at some like god isn't talking to anyone that much i don't care who you are yeah you, you'd go crazy if you were actually hearing god that much and anytime you're sitting in their presence they you know they're hearing your thoughts and all that that's not how it works and so i don't believe god is speaking to anybody that much and so i think the problem is when you start trying to become a prophet for the road and you're doing that much travel like he is at some point you're going to make something up because you you know yeah. at what point are you sitting back and hearing uh what point are you sitting back and recuperating at what point are you sitting back and really getting in tune with god um so that would be my first thing i do think mm -hmm. he's a real god i do think he has a gift and and i don't think that he should lose his ministry. Yeah, I don't. He has a and, ministry from what I've seen. And here, here's why. Here's why I don't think. And and this is for any preacher who is found to be in a you know a, in a mess or who falls into some sort of sin. Even though I don't know if fall is the right term when you do something on purpose. But mm. um, yeah, no, that's a good point. yeah, you're, you're totally right because. <laughs> you're you're literally jumping headfirst. You're it. jumping headfirst. You, it's not like oh, oops, I tripped. I didn't know. I did. We didn't see that woman there. Like <laughs> I, I just tripped and landed in the bed. Like no, that's not how it works. You know. Oh, hey, hey, it's like it's like with people who get caught in in sexual uh, uh, fornication or whatever. They're like, oh, we fell. Uh, uh you didn't trip and fall into her. 
Stop it. No. Man, you <laughs> so I'm that, that, that's where I'm at. I don't I don't know if fall I think we use the terms like fall to soften the blow. And we like to use words like mistake, but I don't think it's a mistake if you did it on purpose. You knew what you were doing, you knew what was going on. So I don't I don't like words like fall and mistake. I feel like that's a way that we can own things without owning it and kind of start to move responsibility away from ourselves. So I'm going to say that he chose to make certain actions. And, I, and again, I don't think that he needs necessarily to lose his church. However, I do want to think, I, I do think that something that has been brought up though, is that this is not the first time that uh, this particular form of misconduct has come up. And so right. uh, gifts and callings are without repentance. God, you know, if you are saved and you're gifted, um, I do think that you should be operating in ministry. Um, however, I do think that we have also got to have the discussion of sitting down. Now, in all fairness, he had, at least from what I, we can see, uh, he has said that, you know, he submitted the things to his pastor. His pastor has kind of been over his process. So I do think everything should be a process of restoration, but we do need to have the discussion about what about when you are caught in habitual sin? Because it's one thing for something to be a first time offense. And then it's another thing when you have a habit, like you are known to continue to fall or dive into the same thing. Because then at that point, this is a habit. This is not a mistake. This is not a lapse in judgment. This is your lifestyle. Now you've gone from sin to iniquity. And I think it's important for us to note with, in the case of Brian Karn, I think that the process of restoration should not be a couple months without preaching, but we've got to, at some point, if like this has been more than once, we need to go through a more rigorous process of restoration for you. And and if you're not yeah, willing- And, and I, like, really, it's, it's, the, it's, the rec, it's the restoration, reconciliation that 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 should happen not 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 just get rid of them all together but yeah. restoration get back into you know doing what god has called them to do so i, I mean right. yeah i i, I and, agree. and i want to to say the reason i'm saying it needs to be a more rigorous process what happens a lot of times when we have popular ministers or ministries in general there seems to be two extremes of restoration to me one is, or I won't even say process of restoration, because one is not a process of restoration at all. There's one process that seems to say, hey, if you mess up on certain things, we will never restore you. We will, we will never let you step back behind a microphone. We will never allow you to outlive this moment. And I don't believe that is the nature of Christ. However, I think the other extreme is almost like the slap a Band-Aid on it. You know, it's almost the same thing as like, you know, it's almost like if you were to hypothetically, if somebody, like, it's not like this would ever happen, but it's almost like if somebody was to walk into a church, shoot up a bunch of people and then be taken to go get something to eat. Like, 
you know, if that, like, hypothetically, if that was to ever happen, you know, it just doesn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you need a more rigorous treatment. Um, it should be where, and, and here's why, you know, like, let, let's use, for example, let's say that, you know, if you were this particular type of preacher, you were popular, people liked you, right? And so because you were the favorite preacher, they gave you a really just short amount of time and no length of time to actually see if you had really changed, no no length of time to really test your character to see have your has your character been molded? I kind of liken that to like, this is just another hypothetical situation. Like, like if you were like, the type of person who could commit a crime and then just get a little slap on the wrist, maybe a little probation or like, you know, six months, a couple years, and then you're out, you know? But then it seems like there's other preachers that could do the same thing that we give a lot more time to or don't want to restore just because they're not as popular. That's almost like if somebody else was to do that same crime and like just hypothetically get like life in prison, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of the same, just hypothetical situation. Um, yeah. but. Like the point that I'm getting to, they're not hypothetical situations. I'm sorry. I just have to throw that in there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just had to come in there. Uh, but, but the point I'm making here is I, I think you can see what I mean there is that there is an inequality. There is an injustice there. So I think though, when it comes down to character, that that's the thing. Like when you're sitting up under a minister, you are allowing someone to to pour into your spirit, it is so important that you really know the character of that leader. And personally, I think with when it comes down to Brian Carney in particular, if I were someone who, I'll put it this way, if I were a pastor, he couldn't preach for me. If mm -hmm. I were in Jacksonville, Charlotte, or Houston, there's no way in the world that I would be a member of his church. And, and it's not because he's not gifted. He's extremely gifted. He's gifted pre a gifted preacher. He's a gifted musician uh, as far as singing and everything. Um, and, and, and sometimes he's an accurate prophet. But, um, but what I have found consistently in the years that I have known of his ministry is that consistently issues of character have come up. Yeah. You know, issues of having uh, moral ethics have come up. And I would never sit under or support a ministry that has questionable ethics. Because one thing that you have got to understand is who, whenever someone is pouring into you, they're not just pouring God into you. They're also pouring themselves into you. That's true. And what I would hate to do is sit under a ministry or receive from a ministry who's pouring dirty oil into me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of where I sit with him. He's gifted, but I do think that a very rigorous, um, a very rigorous uh, routine for, for restoration needs to be performed for him. Um, let's yeah, come back but come back in a couple years when we can see that, hey, you know, you've got, and, and honestly, um, if you keep falling into sexual sins, I, I'm not saying marriage fixes everything, but it might help you to get a wife. 
like yeah. if yeah because exactly. i mean in, in that in that uh in that vein like you are correct marriage doesn't necessarily fix that if you have like a lust problem or a uh, or a porn habit but if if the issue is just sex like you just need sex which men do which men do then first of all find a wife a woman who is who wants to be with you and sees you in the same way marry them so that you can be able to on occasion satisfy that need yeah because one thing we have to understand about spiritual people anyone who's extremely gifted i i gotta say this carefully but when you are extremely gifted especially when you are extremely artistically gifted or spiritually gifted <laughs> you also have a certain level of craving especially after your gift has been exercised after you your gift is exercised you want to exercise the gift so you need to uh you need to have preparations made for that. <laughs> oh, man. That's all I'm saying. So, Justin, did you ever hear uh, Bishop Carlton Pearson talk about um, a minister? You, you ever you heard that? Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to detail what he said, but um, when he said that, I was just like, it's kind of true. He's like, you know, because the worship gets everybody ready, and then the preacher goes and releases the word and but the anyway, word is a seed yeah exactly so <laughs> so <laughs> uh but um to move on here uh we're on. also gonna we're, we're also going to talk we're gonna stay in that vein but we're also gonna talk uh about another person um very briefly and then we're gonna get to one last person and then that'll be it but ravi zacharias Man. um he Ravi Zacharias, I uh I me and my brother listened to Ravi Zacharias on Focus on the Family when my mother was running errands. I if I I I, I will know his voice to the day I yeah. die. Yeah, like, like you just heard him all the time on the TV. Yeah. He he was a, he was a he was a headliner on TBN when we were kids. My grandma, when she turned on TBN, we'd see him, we'd see Joel Olstein, we'd see that Copeland dude, we'd see, but Robbie Zacharias was the one who stood out. And he, he, I've always had a high opinion of Robbie Zacharias since I was a kid. And as I got older, I had a very high, high opinion of him as an apolog, as an apologist, as a Christian apologist, because later on in his career, he took on uh, Christian apologetics to to go to countries and he had debates with atheists or he'd go to a college and you know young kids would ask him questions about god challenging questions and he would do his best to answer them um but as you guys know as everybody on it that's watching this or listening to this knows he after he died it came out that he had some wildness going on and um he had owned Allegedly, he owned massage parlors, and whenever they would massage him, he would ask for a more uh, distinct massage, and I guess they obliged him. And then he would also set his buddies up. Really, asking it was more like pressuring. Yeah, it was more coercion, more than anything. Yeah, and um, 
if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, correct me if I'm wrong. He also set his buddies up for that too. I'm I like again, allegedly. correct me if allegedly correct me if I am wrong. I, I don't know if I'm getting him mixed up with somebody else. Um but this came out. This women started speaking out about his ministry. Because as normal, you know, when you put people up on pedestals, when they die, everybody and their mother is memorializing him. And when when Ravi Zacharias died, everybody was like, oh, man, I love like everybody in the Christian faith in America. Knows Ravi Zacharias. Yeah, he knows him. And so when he died, it was so impactful, not only to the world worldwide Christian community, because he wasn't just known in America, but also but but he was he impacted America hugely, you know. And so uh, when that came out, it really hurt a lot of people. People thought it was just a railing accusation and it had no credence to it. But people from the foundation started speaking one girl was like, yeah, the foundation knew about his behavior, but they silenced me. Because when he was alive, it couldn't come out that he was doing that. Of course. Philip, uh, no, Justin, uh, what do you think about the whole Ravi Zacharias thing? Because I know you were probably listening to him just like we were when we were kids. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I learned about Ravi um I, not when I was a child, but once I grew up and, and started getting into apologetics, that's when I learned about him. And and I, I will say, um, first of all, uh, man, to hear about that was heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I am very rarely surprised. Um, that one got me. Yeah, me too. And And it becomes difficult to listen to someone's materials as good as they are when you know that their character did not match the faith that they proclaimed. <clears throat> I think that we, we as ministers have to live up to certain standards and it's not that we don't have mistakes or that we don't fall or that we don't have failings, but when you can find out that someone has gone out of their way. And I think this is kind of something that links even to the last story we were just talking about. When someone goes out of their way to commit sin, mm -hmm. and it really leads you to ask the question, where's your conviction? Where's your conviction? And I, and I wanna say that to any preacher or any Christian uh, who, who or any person of moral, even if you don't subscribe to Christianity, who might be watching this section of our podcast or listening to us, you know, wh where's your conviction when you're going out of your way to do something that you know was wrong? You know, we, I understand, you know, that there are some times where temptation is in our faces and it's easy. It's easy to fall out, but that's another thing when you have to set things up and plan and go out of your way and make extra effort to sin. Extra effort. And, 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 and don't get me wrong, I've been in positions before where I have been in that place where I've made those extra efforts and I'm just saying that at some point you have really got to start to question yourself and, and begin to gird yourself, you know, strengthen yourself, begin to work out your discipline because 
it is a very disappointing thing and very unnerving because I, you know, you got to understand about Ravi Zacharias is he was a bit different than Brian Karn in that Ravi did not just have influence with church people. Ravi yeah. was touring and going to colleges mm -hmm. and filling up coliseums. He wasn't just preaching in church. He wasn't a pastor. Like Ravi was traveling the world and causing people to come to know Christ who had absolutely no idea about a church or who were atheists, who, you understand what I'm saying? Like, this is a very powerful tool in the hands of God. And for somebody like that to, to do things like that, and it's, and these things are bigger than cheating or fornication or adultery. And I'm, I'm not talking about in the sense of a hierarchy of sin, about levels of evil. When, when you are into the point where you are allegedly raping women and, you know, uh, that, 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 that's a whole nother level. Because and, coercion, sexual coercion is rape. Just it is rape. And, and we'll, we'll leave it right there. <laughs> so when we start talking about that, I, I, I want to say first, you know, it's heartbreaking to hear. It's heartbreaking to hear. But I, my problem is he's not the only person in power in ministry that does that. And, and what scares me is how many other people in ministry do we know that are harboring and hiding these things and it's not like no one knew but people knew people knew the foundation covered it Did he lag? I think he did. Okay. But uh, but yeah, I mean um, I mean I don't, I don't know if he's gonna come back, but I mean I I uh, I agree with the like it's it, it was real tough seeing Robbie Zachariah, uh, like that happened, especially after you know he's gone. Got to begin. Okay, there he is. Okay, in my back. All right, I'm not sure where I got cut off at. Um. But I would say when a leader is known to consistently be in sin, when a leader has a reputation, when 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 you are aware of a leader, uh, you know, just consistently living a double life, mm -hmm. you have got to take a stand against that leader. Yeah, you have. It, it, it is imperative that they be uh, brought to accountability. Yeah, the fact that they are gifted, the fact that they are anointed, the fact that they are being used by God does not excuse them to go out here and live trash lives. Exactly, it doesn't excuse them. I and mean, we're not talking about condemnation. We're not talking about throwing them away. We're not talking about sending them to hell. We're talking about holding them accountable to their actions. Mm -hmm. Nobody should get away with illegal activities. Nobody should be getting away with raping women. Nobody should be sleeping with anybody's wife. I don't care if it's your pastor. I don't care if it's the deacon in your church. I don't care if you're, it's your auntie. I don't care if it's your uncle. Because stuff like this starts to bring to mind so many things about how many people even within the church have been wounded 
by people in ministry, have been abused by people in ministry. I'm not talking about them just saying something you don't want to hear. I'm talking about children being physically assaulted by people in ministry. I'm talking about women being brought into pastors' offices. That is wrong. Yep. And how many of these people have gotten a pass because we don't want it to be known. But then when the bishop dies, we find out that the bishop has had children everywhere. Like, come on. We have got to do better. We got to do better when it comes down to I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm talking about reporting. Yeah. That's so true. And if they can't sit down as a membership, if you can't kick them out of the church, then you should leave. You should never sit under a pastor who cannot hold a solid reputation for living a moral life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Philip. Uh, That's where I'll leave Philip, what what where where do you stand with Ravi Zacharias? Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, Justin covered literally everything that that came to my mind when he did. I heard about it. Like it's, it's just it, it, it's sad hearing that because I mean, it's like it's like hearing like uh, Billy Graham like when he died. Like it's like hearing like oh, Billy Graham was caught up in this scandal and caught up with this woman and he had kids over here and there. And I'm just like, I mean, but, but you know that didn't happen. I'm, I'm just using an excuse uh, or, or not excuse, an example. Like Billy Graham is someone that you know, like the whole Christian movement has looked up to. Yes, like he he's responsible for, uh, you know, winning many people to the Lord. And it's like looking up to somebody like that that has done such amazing work for God, um, and then they have these issues that come out, and sometimes after they die, sometimes when they're alive. And it's it really just hurts, um, and and it, it it kind of further pushes this mindset among our generation and millennial generation that you can't trust nobody, mm-hmm. and that's why people have trust issues. Yep, and yeah, it's hard because like I want to do something about it, but all I can do is my small part to just be an honest and stand-up man but like we shouldn't praise men for being stand-up and honest men they should just be that way you know i'm not gonna give you a five star i'm not gonna give you a star for being the bare minimum yeah like it's like it's like saying like you're you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna applaud people for not murdering people no you shouldn't do it right so like me sitting here trying to do my best to be a good man and then you got these bad examples out here that affect how people look at me as a minister look at me as a man you know so um i mean like i said justin kind of covered just about everything but i mean that's just that's just where my head's at um well and because you know robbie zachariah is gone now you know we can't there's not much we can do except for just learn from the lesson um he did have a gift and we not like we can't still glean from that gift but it's just like you just you have to move forward and learn from it, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and we have got to take, I, and I, and I think we're the generation to do it. 
But, uh, oh man, this comment right here says, institutional religious systems all too often seem to be a perfect covers for sexual predators, 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 man, I'm suffering with that word, predators and narcissists. Oh, um, it's so true. And this goes even back to like Catholicism, even with the Catholic church, mm -hmm. you know, they are known for this to the point where people make jokes about priests because it's known. It is known the things that they do to little boys. Like this is not, this is not cool. This is not, it's not funny. And I, I, I really, like I said, I believe we're the generation to do. We have got to begin to hold people's feet to the fire. We have to. We have to. For oh, hypocrisy. Sorry. But, but, but hear me when I say that, because see, what we, what, what, what a lot of us think we're doing is to call out their hypocrisy. We leave the church. Mm -hmm. Right. And we say that's all there is. See, well, Christianity is fake. See, because of these hypocrites. No, 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 no. If there's a hypocrite, oh. it is a real. Exactly. Amen. If there, if, 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 there, if there is something real and we, we don't solve these issues in the church by leaving the church. We solve these issues in the church by holding them accountable and saying, you do not get to hold these positions mm -hmm. living in hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So um, we, we need to begin to step up because when we leave the church, we're leaving the people that have remained in the hands of people like this. Yes. So true. That is so true. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I was I, I I honestly like I tell y'all all the time I scroll these forums um, I scroll these forums that uh, have ex Christians and ex Pentecostals or whoever and um, you know and I just read and just to soak up what what's in their minds and their thought processes about leaving the faith and stuff like that and I, I particularly I particularly uh, key up and listen to the ones who have been sexually abused because uh, all too much that is programmed into us when it comes to church is that we should, you know, it's, it's this magnet that's programmed into us that whenever we leave church, it kind of just sucks us right back into it. And, um, you know, people always tell young girls or boys who were uh, sexually abused by people in the church, whether it be pastors, whether it be just respected members in the church. Um, people always say, you're, you're, you're bitter, get over it. Just, just let God handle it. And it ticks me off to high heaven. Come on. Because you are telling this person that they should just get over the fact that they were sexually violated when they were a child. And that they should just forgive yep. and come back to the church that perpetuated their abuse. The come church on. that the church that when you when your parents wanted to press charges, the church discouraged them, or or the church talked your parents into not pressing charges at all. And so when you're mm -hmm. wanting justice, you've been violated. You want justice. You want to see your 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 predator put in jail. You're it's it's a systematic ideology. Oh, you know, just forgive, just forgive. Um, you know, he made a mistake. That's not a mistake. No, I will never view somebody messing with little kids and no. violating them as a mistake. You no. made that choice. Yeah, that's no, and, that's and, and whoa. I, 
I, that sounds very KJV to say, whoa, but shame on any parent who will remain in a church where you know that your child has been violated by someone in leadership or even someone in membership and no one did anything about it after that was spread out. Because I'm telling you, I am telling you right now, yep. somebody lays a hand on my child. I am, I am, I'm sorry. You can put me on record. I'm taking out the entire family tree. I'm not, because people who sit. You lost your Jesus, so I'm going to lose mine. <laughs> but the thing is. is I guess we I, both have matters of the flesh. I am I am flabbergasted. I am flummoxed by the amount of parents that, that they sit in silence after their child right. has been That's what I'm saying. violated. That's what I'm saying. How could you? And and, and, and and let's deal with this. Let's I got, I'm sorry. I got to go with it. I I got to go here. I, we're not even just talking about with it. If if you are if they're touched or if they uh, if they're you know if if they're raped. but even some of you pervy old men in church and oh. man maybe you guys don't watch this podcast but I pray somebody send it to you to see this I rebuke you 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 are nasty you are you are a mess you you keep trying to twist your little way onto women or into people's business so that you can get close to the girls in the church you're disgusting and i, I mean that that is that is the height of nastiness or, or those old men, or, or those old men that target the 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 mom the, the single mothers with daughters mm. and yeah. they, they, they 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 make the excuse of oh i just i just want to be a confidant for her i want to be yeah. a father your predator bro he's a <laughs> Shame on you. I'm sorry, but it it, it 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 ticks me off to high heaven. And then these are the same churches that want these people to come back to God. Right. Oh, just come back to God. Don't don't let it. You can't let that run your life forever. Or they'll say things. Yeah. Like, you're, they'll say things like you're still on that. That was years ago. And Sexual then and then yes. they'll, they'll start. They'll start. They'll start preaching. They'll, they'll start preaching series on mercy and forgiveness uh, and yeah. go past things. You know, and, you know what that and they'll, is? They'll... That's narcissistic. Thank you. Exactly. Let me tell y'all something. Sexual trauma can last a lifetime. It really? does. It does. Even, even if you come out of there, you go through therapy and you have hands laid on you and they pour 7,000 gallons of oil over your head, it doesn't change the fact that it happened. Yeah, and, it and happened. We, we will sit here and act like people need to just get over it. And, and part of the reason why we do this, oh, we're going here. The, mm -hmm. Part of the reason why we do this is because things have happened to a lot of people in church and we act like it's not, it like, like when you were some type of subpar Christian, unless you act like when you got saved, that you just got over everything and that there was no trauma left, that there was no residue left over from what happened to you. And, 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 and because, you know, oh, I'm a new creation, I'm a brand new person. And so now because of all of that, all the things that happened to me, none of that exists anymore. No, it is still affecting you in your soul. So, you you know, we, we, because we hot, because we, I, I feel like 
what ends up happening with a lot of people is they don't want you to expose what happened to you because it forces them to feel some type of way because they haven't exposed what happened to them. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a bunch of people hiding drama, hiding trauma. And what we end up with is a ta toxic atmosphere. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't believe that we can actually live out this life and have the joy, the peace and the happiness that that Jesus promised us. If we can't admit the issues that bother us. Absolutely. Yeah. Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah. What I want to know is how in the world do you expect to enter into the rest of God carrying all of the baggage? of events that have happened yeah you, i mean quite frankly you can't and um whenever i see people uh, especially people who are not uh not just spiritually abused or or mentally abused but sexually abused in the church and and they and they detail their story i'm just like man if i was them i wouldn't come back either yes because yeah. we have represented god so poorly because how yeah. could you trust because somebody like that for one how could yeah. you trust another pastor and then get up enough courage to trust a, another pastor with your future children? Right. Right. Exactly. You know, so so everybody, um, as we wind down, because I got to go here. Uh, please understand that this preachers, I mean, for one, we shouldn't be putting preachers on a pedestal. That's for number one, because when stuff like this happens, it's very hard for us to hold those preachers to the fire. It's like people feel like they're unworthy to even hold, to even correct them. And we right. need to destroy that stigma within the church, Absolutely. because if you hold people to the fire and let them know that this that this religious space is not going to be a breeding ground for sexual predators that we are not going to allow that you if you decide to commit such a heinous act you will be met with with force quick fast and in a hurry mm -hmm. these types of things won't happen and people yeah. won't view church as a joke yeah. right sure uh, and please understand I, and i know some of you watch this podcast and and you're you're looking at this and saying these three guys are always complaining about the church they're always saying something negative about the church i need you to understand that's not what we're doing we are trying to reclaim the reputation of the church so that this generation that is here and the generations to come will have an institution will have a body will have an organism that they can respect. That's right. That we're going to have something that represents God properly within the earth. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Of, we're not trying to get away with human failure. We know that those human failures exist. And I think I'll make these my closing remarks right here. We, we know human failures exist. We know that nobody's perfect, 
But what we're saying is that we have got to be strategic about creating systems to ensure that we don't have as many of those mistakes causing us to harm people. Yes, absolutely. And, yes. I, and that, that'll be my closing remark right there. I, I won't say anymore. Uh, Philip, yeah, I, mean, I agree. Where right? like we we and, and I. I like to say this in every episode that I can. Um, we, we're not just we're not just complaining, or we're not just providing problems. We're also trying to provide solutions, and we want to represent God in a better way than what He's been presented as by these people that have damaged people and have misrepresented faith and the Bible and God. And we are just trying to do our small part to, to represent God to you and make sure that we are giving. Uh, force our best effort to ensuring that this stuff doesn't happen because I feel like a lot of people would trust us, trust our churches, and trust our ministries if they knew that they had somebody there that would hold people accountable, somebody there that would make sure that if some that, that people are taken care of and that and that God is the the, the forefront and center of that church. Um, so, and you know, if you're in any of our areas, we'd love to get you plugged into our churches because that's that's what we want to do. We want to be able to. Uh, be the church and not just have the church with the four walls, the building, come do a little song and dance, maybe shed a tear, um, you know, speak, speak in fake tongues and then go home. Um, we don't want that. We want to have God encounters whenever we get together in unity. Like we want people to be changed and transformed in Christ. That's our goal. Yeah. Um, and that's all we want to do. So those will be, and my camera literally just died, but those are my <laughs> closing remarks. All right. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I, I highly encourage you, highly implore, implore every single one of you to share this with your friends and um, to get this conversation rolling, because we really want to see we really want to see the um, the image of church change, because um, uh, I. There's going to be human failures, like we said, but we need to have a system in place in which people won't get deterred by those failures because we decide to just sweep them under the rug. So yeah, I implore every single one of you guys, please like and share this podcast. Um, mm -hmm. If you, if somebody doesn't, if you're talking to somebody about it, um, we have, uh, we're on Spotify, and we're on Apple, so you can just send them that link. Um, I'll link, I'll link it in the comments. But uh, just send them there that link so they'll have a lot of a lot more ease listening to the podcast, and um, and we hope to see you guys uh, next week with a new topic. Um, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this and thoroughly yeah. enjoyed talking with you guys. And thoroughly so, enjoyed um, this series. It's been, thanks, yeah, thanks it's been a good series. Yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. We love you guys. Every every like every. Every page like, every share, we see it, and we really appreciate you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we love you guys, and with that, we will see you guys we'll next see week. You next Good night. I'll take care.